We've realized in doing coaching with our community people that there are some I will statements that people make that we initially think are great, but we then realize very quickly that nope, we messed up and it's not going to help them move forward in their walk with Jesus at all. So what are some of those statements? Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians become world-changing disciple-makers. Hi, I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description. To those of you who support this podcast, thank you so much. Your support helps us put tools in the hands of men and women just like you who want to experience experience a disciple-making movement in their own neighborhood. Now today, Rebecca and I are going to be taking a little bit different angle on a topic that we've talked about before. We're going to, instead of talking about how to make amazing I will statements in your discovery process, we're going to talk about the I will statements that will ruin, get me on that one, ruin your discovery Bible study. So when we say that an I will statement can make or break your your DBS, what we mean is the whole point of Discovery Bible Study is not just letting people be exposed to different parts of the Bible and have them come to a set of beliefs. That's not the point of DBS. The point of DBS is to make disciples and not converts. And obedience is the difference between a person who is just verbally and mentally assenting to a new set of beliefs versus one who's actually living them out and sharing them with others. And so that's why it's so important for us to make sure that when people are, you know, that point about obedience, that they're actually are experiencing and, and obeying. So therefore, we need to shift our idea of a win. So, you know, if they're making aha movement uh, belief statements, you know, we have a tendency as Christians get excited and forget to point to, to them to acting out the th- on the things that they are seeing. You know, we're, we're like, oh, they said that they be- believe Jesus might be the Son of God. That's so wonderful. Yay, 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 yay. And then we forget, wait a minute, the, the real transformation is going to happen when they actually act on the things that they see. Yeah, and I think it is a, another idea to add on to that is that without a clear action or a call to action, uh, to call to obedience, that people will learn the habit of looking at the Bible like an intellectual subject or some kind of study. Uh, we've, we've, we've dealt with that in our coaching mm-hmm. calls. We've had several yeah. people who are leading Discovery Bible studies with people, particularly of atheist backgrounds, that will start to say, oh, well, this is a nice, and they start to come at it from an evaluative, intellectual, is this mm-hmm. true, is this a historical document approach, as mm-hmm. opposed to something that is dealing with the, the core of the condition of mankind and the changes that need to be done and the realities of this universe. And so we need when we focus on, you know, pulling away from, from this changes our life to just I'm intellectually evaluating it, we teach them to hear 
the scripture without ever telling them to go deeper into, okay, this is more. This is something more important. And they never get the benefit of going deeper into obedience. Well, and that's and that's the thing is that we're actively teaching people what James tell, warns us against. It says, you know, don't hear the word and, you know, don't just hear the word and not obey it. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's what we do every single time that we have somebody read a passage and then they don't really do anything clear from that passage. We're right. encouraging them that it's normal to just read things and not do anything about them. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's the actual act of obeying uh, that people see, where people see their sinfulness and they see the transformation as they adjust their lives to God. It's interesting that um, when Moses was coming off of Mount uh, the mountain after he had just gotten the Ten Commandments, that the call to Israel was, "Do you will you do it and understand? And they understand that doing the commandments, they, they knew that doing the commandments led to understanding. And in the West, we've flipped that, and we've assumed that understanding it all and getting it all and having all these beliefs before we even obey will lead to, will lead to everything, will lead to obedience and transformation. But in reality, in the Old Testament, they understood that unless they started obeying, they would never, ever get to understanding. And that's what we're trying to get at when we look at I will statements. Uh, well, uh, exactly. And one of the key passages that we talk about inside of you know, our class that talks about Discovery Bible Study is from Deuteronomy that talks about that the fear of God comes as people obey. So they don't, you know, have emotions about God and then they obey that they, that fearing God is not emotion. It's a, it's a, it's a action. It's a, it's Hey, I, I fear God. So I respond to him. I obey him. And so when we actively, every single time they come to a passage, say you need to change in some way, we're training them to respond to God. So each time that they do a passage, now, how do you respond? How do you respond? How do you respond? And that's training a person of saying, I've listened. I need to do something about it. I need to obey it. I need to obey it. I need to obey it. And now that puts them in a position of saying yes to God Instead of just now God is a subject to study. And as they do this, they they can see the sinfulness that is in their life because now they're looking at what am I doing in life? You know, a lot of times we're doing discovery Bible studies with people and part of the sinful human condition is we don't see our own Mm -hmm, sinfulness. mm -hmm. And so if all we do is sit around and talk about the Bible intellectually and not specifically like, so that means I am doing this wrong and I need to change and do something different it, it's through this process that people actually see their personal need of a Savior. And, I, and something you said just a second ago reminded me of a, pass, uh, a verse in the Proverbs that says, train a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're, they will not turn from it. And you and I have discussed in the past podcasts of that the disciple-making process is very similar to how we teach the, our children to do anything. It's, it's we sit there and we say, hey, you know, this is what we do, and we start building upon it. We start helping them understand what it means in their life and everything else. And we're just really taking that process and building it out. But as we get started in all of this, I think it's really important whether you've been listening for a while or whether this is your the first time you've ever listened to our podcast to understand what we mean when we say the term I will statement. Now, so here's right. here's the definition. Okay. Are you ready? You ready? You're going to listen. 
An I will statement is part of the discovery process where participants respond to what they've learned about God and man from scripture by making a simple commitment to action they complete in the next 24 to 48 hours, or maybe between this meeting and the next, whichever one makes more sense. And, uh, and so that's what it's all about, to help them take what they've learned and put it into action. Yeah, just in case you do, you're wondering, this is where that question in the DBS process is, says, if these, if this is true, how should I change? Mm-hmm. And basically, the I will statement takes it uh, a step farther in the sense of that it's we're not just talking about a broad principle. We're talking about a specific action that's measurable, that's small, that, you know, that when you come back the next week and you say, hey, how did it go? It makes sense for you to say that, you know, and, and it's like you can actually quantify, yes, I did it or no, I didn't do it, you know, when it comes to to that. So the, the thing is, is that now, let, now that we know what it is, let's talk about the other parts of the DBS that affect I will statements. Because a lot of times when people are starting uh, facilitating discovery Bible studies, they they are not completely sure as to how to be able to help people learn, you know, form these I will statements, and they come out to be helpful ones. And I think what Paul and I have learned in the coaching process is that a lot of times, if we ever hear that, you know, people aren't really coming up with the most helpful of I will statements. There's usually other parts of the DBS that have gone awry, mm-hmm. and that's why they're having the, the people a part of it are having a hard time finding a specific way to be able to respond to the passage. Right, right, absolutely, and uh, and so you know the one of the, some of the things that that is is the retelling, the retelling yes, of the passage. Huge it's huge, and we've realized this is that that we have lost, particularly in the in the West. The ability to to really comprehend what something is saying. It's like we automatically tune it out until they tell us the point of it as opposed to listening to the story itself. So when we ask them to retell the passage, often we'll get blank looks. And those blank looks indicate that they haven't done the processing to be able to put it in their own words. And let me just tell you, if they haven't done the processing to put it in their own words, then they're not going to be able to answer the I will statement. Yeah, we have we have podcasts specifically that talk about how to help people really retell well. I think it's called DBS Tips for Telling. And, you know, this is actually one of the surprise ones when I first came to Discovery Bible Study that I thought I didn't realize this was so important. But the reality is is that people do if people do not have a very clear understanding and and picture of what happened in the story, they're not going to be able to observe uh, you know, be able to know what truths are coming out of it and how to be able to respond to it because they're unclear about the actual events that happen. And sometimes if someone is just reading through it once, you know, where people don't get the entire thing. So if we do, if we can, if a person can sit there and, you know, prove the fact they understand by being able to tell the story all the way through, uh, and stuff, then now they're actually prepared to be able to approach the passage and see what it means and what to do out of, from it, which leads us to the second That's one. That's right, exactly, the second one, the discovery questions, okay? Yeah. So those are, what does this say about God? What does this say about man? And, it, and once again, the I will statement that if we believe that it's true, what difference would it make in our lives? So particularly those first two, what does it say about God? What does it say about man? That, that if they don't answer those well, then it's going to be really hard for them to come up with an I will statement. Because basically an I will statement is saying, since we've learned this about God, 
it's going to require me to change my life this way. Since I've learned this about mankind and how they relate to God, it's going to require this change in my life. So if they haven't done the deep dive on those first two, they're going to have a hard time getting into I wills. Well, and, and, that, and that's actually what I really want to address. What do we mean by they didn't answer it well? Oh, so what we mean, what we we don't mean is they have to get every little nugget oh, my goodness. of what yes. is inside the passage or that they have to expound upon it like a theologian or, you know, or, or even that much deep dive. Really what it is is that they need to actually see points about God and man from the passage. And it could be a point about God or a point about man. There may be 20 in the passage that you know of because you've read every book on the passage possible. All they need is the one point that will help them come up with a good concrete I will statement. And really what it is, is we're encouraging people to really just kind of let the the passage speak to them. And so we are, we're relying upon the Holy Spirit spirit yes. to reveal himself through these different things. But again, if they, they, so there are two things that can really circumvent that one is where they're not actually answering the questions, right? You know, they're talking about some other thing that they've read somewhere or whatever. They're not actually answering the questions of what does this say about God's character, about him, who he is, what he wants from us, you know, and how he interacts with us. And, and what does it say about man, who we are, how we interact with God and each other, what our character is. They're not answering those questions. And along that lines is the second one is they're focusing so much on the actions or the events of the passage that they're not answering the questions. Mm -hmm. They're talking about how scared this particular person must have been in there. They're wondering about this detail that happened to the passage and, and all this other details about the story instead of like, okay, but... Yeah, those are interesting questions. But what does the, the story, though, tell us about God? <laughs> and what does it tell us about man? So what that does is it, it brings the, the things that people see from the passage up from these little details of what's happened in the story to truths that they can now have to apply to their lives. Right. So this is this is what it says about God. These are our truths that that says about God and man. And now I can be able to have an actual I will statement. I can actually apply this now to my current life, not in the life that was back in the Old Testament era or when somebody was next to a well or whatever. It's like this is how it applies to me in my cubicle or in my village today. Right. So that leads us into we've talked we've talked in other podcasts about ways to make good strong I will statements, but we've realized in doing coaching with our community people that there are some I will statements that people make that we initially think are great, but we then realize very quickly that nope we messed up and it's not going to help them move forward in their walk with Jesus at all. So what are some of those statements? Well, you know, so first off, just to let you know, you can listen to our original I Will Statement podcast to get what Paul was talking about earlier, which I encourage you to do. Go look up. It's one of a, the podcasts that Paul and I always direct people to. Yeah, it's like and a, it's it's, a CDM classic, that's for sure. It's a CDM classic and essential. So go ahead and look that up. So this is... These are examples of what an I Will Statement is not. So <laughs> Don't do these things. So one of the things is statements that don't relate to the passage. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like, like they just read about Jesus turning the water into wine, and then they sat there and they're like, 
I need to be nice to the people at the DMV when I go get my re- license renewed. And and so now the, here's here's the sneaky part of this. Sometimes they may actually have a connection. Maybe there is. Maybe there this a particular store teaches people to be kind and considerate to other people, and so therefore that's why I want to be okay. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So but so therefore you ask questions like that's interesting. How did you get this from the passage? Yeah. You know, how did that, how did you get that from and, this? And if they come at you and they just kind of give you this, this blank look, or they just go, well, I didn't get it from the passage. I just need to know I do it because, you know, and then they might reference if you're, if their statement about God was, was vague or their statement about mankind was vague, then they might go, well, you know, uh, God is love and, and it's loving to be kind to people at the DMV. And, and it's just, just like, ah, that's not getting the point of the passage. But at the same time, you know, like I said, it's, it's basically you're trying to help them be able to make those points. So how can you correct those kind of statements? You basically sit there, like, first off, you can ask to see how they connect to the passage. And sometimes that in itself, they sit there and they catch themselves like, yeah, that doesn't really fit. And it causes them to really think and go, oh, okay, so this is how I would, this would actually apply. So if they're still stuck, you can tell them to say, well, you said this about the passage. And you can point to their direct comments that they've made about God and about man. You've said those things. So how do those things change the way you live? So what that does is it directly points them to the things that they should be thinking about to be able to come up with that particular statement. Now, avoid a common mistake here. You're going to want to do this. You're going to want to say, well, the way I've obeyed this in my life. And then you give an example. And what you're doing there is you're falling into teaching. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Yeah. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. So the next one is statements that aren't specific or too big. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we, when we're doing this, that people, if they're, if they're, either they need to be specific, they need to be something that can be done within the next 24 to 48 hours. It's something that is small enough and actionable enough to be able to do. So sometimes these are very, you know, um, they're ones they're so, uh, you know, how, how are you supposed to do that? Again, these were, these are ones that basically reflect a principle. Right. You know, I should be loving to other people. I need to forgive to to forgive other people. Right. I need to, you know, these are good principles of general rules of engagement, yeah. you know, of action. But what specifically are you going to do? And again, how you correct that is, is well, what? How would you specifically get started with that? Right. What's the first thing? What's the first step? Often is What's a great way step? to rephrase phrase that. So that sounds like a neat thing to do in your life. What's the first step to get there? You know, when I was working with addicts and alcoholics downtown and we're doing Discovery Bible studies, you might very quickly and easily have somebody who is coming in off the street say, well, I need to get clean and sober. Well, that's a big process. And in, in what we try to do in that moment, we go, yeah, I'm glad that you see that. What would be the first step on that journey? And to help them take the very first step, the next step to move along in the process. Okay, so the next kind is statements that are just religious practices. Mm -hmm. So this is actually very much related to the first one because what we mean by religious practices is, especially if you are 
doing a DBS with someone who has some type of religious background, you know, particularly if it's Christian background, they, they're kind of taught by their background that when you respond to God, it's always in doing some type of religious activity. So these are the example of these things where I need to read the Bible more. I need to pray to God about this, or I need to meditate or think about these things. And essentially the religion, or maybe I need to go to church more, or if they're Catholic, I need to say the rosary or, you know, light a candle or something like that. And it's, and the reason why they're doing this is again, they're, they're so programmed of this is what you do in response to God is always this kind of religious activity, some type of devotional, ceremonial, you know, uh, kind of response that they're not looking at specifically. Well, again, it's related to the first one. These things are true. How does it change my practical everyday life? Right. Now, very occasionally, will there be a a part of the story, you know, a story that will directly talk about that maybe it's some type of story that illustrates like you know you need to read his word and stuff and yeah. so that would be a natural or like you know talks about prayer or something it's like okay so those things obviously a response would be to read and to pray from a passage that directly talks about reading and praying to god but the thing is is that we want to so like for instance if someone says i will pray to god about making me obedient in life it's like Okay, so uh, it's great that you want to pray to him. So, but our prayers should result in responding in obedience to being, you know, obedient to him. So, right. is there any specific way that God is speaking to you about being obedient? Some area in which He wants you to be obedient in, and. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess in this particular area, cool. So what could be a first step in that direction in order to be able to do it? So in other words, we're helping people not see that just simply praying about it is an actual obedience. It just means that we're going to think about it perhaps. Now, occasionally what you can do as well is that this is why I want to pray to God, want to pray about that. Okay, well, the next week, I'll ask you what God says about it and how you can just respond to it. So in other words, you never let people off the hook of simply praying about something as a means of applying a principle to your everyday life. Yeah, and I think one of the ones you've shared with me as we, as you've been coaching some people too is that people will make abstract concepts or abstract statements rather than concrete ones, which kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about and uh, even some of the others. But what would be the example of like an abstract concept versus a concrete one? Well, this would be something like, for instance, and again, this would, you'll probably hear this from people from highly Christian backgrounds or, or some other religious backgrounds, but something like, I get, I need to follow the light of God rather than trust in the, my own strength to do this. Okay. Okay, <laughs> you know what does you know um, that you know and, and 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 the thing is a lot of our Christian community be like yay that's such a wonderful statement we yes we trust God rather than trusting ourselves you know and stuff and that's a wonderful I will sta- you know uh, obedience statement well what how does they, that what does how that, does that look pro- like 
What does that look like? That's an abstract in your mind concept. So again, things like trust and faith, you know, believe and feel, you know, all the stuff that's up in our heads. It's like we need to get it into doing something as a result. So usually at that point I say, so what it what is something that a person who trusts God in a certain area do? What are the kind of thing versus a person who doesn't trust God hmm. in that area do? So let's just say, I don't know, finances, okay? I'm going to trust God with my finances. What does what kind of stuff do people who trust God with their finances do versus people who don't trust God with their finances do? So, oh well, you know, the people who don't trust God with their finances, they might do something that is greedy or dishonest or something in order to be able to get some money. It's, yeah, that's true. So on and and then people, I guess, on the other side, if they were trusting God, that means they would be doing things that would honor Him with their money. Yes. So you know that. So how can you honor God with your money? Oh, uh, well, I guess I could give in in this specific way. Yes, you could give maybe some money and therefore trust God with your finances. So you're getting them into more and more practical, concrete of this is what people who believe and do in certain ways act. And these are how people who don't. So therefore I can kind of see, oh, okay, this is how my life reflects concretely the things that I think of in my head. Right. Exactly. So another one that we get from time to time is people read the passage and they get so excited because they're like, oh, 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 I've got an example that I've already, how I've already applied this to my life. And, and Mm -hmm. so what they do is they refer to something, you know, either yesterday, the previous week, or even five years ago that they might have done that they see is kind of connected to this. So they, they come to you and they feel like, They've already been fulfilling it in, in their life. And so we get like, that's almost like when Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and they were having that conversation and the rich young, and Jesus says, we need to do these things. The rich young ruler is like, I've been doing those all of my life. And then Jesus says, well, what about this? And whereas right. we don't have to be Jesus on them, because we, we know that the passage is going to confront other things. And we say, well, that's great. It's good that you did those things, but we've always got to look towards what we can do tomorrow or what we can do today. So what could you do today? What can you do tomorrow or between now and the next time we get together that would demonstrate that you're, you're living this out in your life new, afresh, in the future, as you're going, not just one time and done in the past? And, and you know, and sometimes, you know, what I've done with helping these people, again, sometimes you're doing discovery Bible study with genuinely some good people. Mm-hmm. And so you can sit there and be like, yeah, they actually are genuinely a nice, kind person. Yeah. But, you know, you point out to them and say, hey, we're not perfect. We can always grow. Life is all about growing mm-hmm. and being able to do that. So is there an area in which you feel like you can grow in when it comes to this and, you know, do it better? And mm-hmm. so, you know, that helps them to be more pop. But sometimes it's just they're not even realizing that you're asking you want them to do something new versus yeah. something they've already done. I had this one particular instance in which I was, uh, you know, talking with a person. We were talking about how, you know, uh, sin is important. It was from the passage where uh, John the Baptist is calling people to repentance and they have to show fruits of repentance. And so, you know, um, we got to how does this change? And, you know, one particular lady, she was saying, well, you know, it's sin is so serious and God wants us to 
to to do all go to all sorts of lengths to change. It's like mm-hmm. that's so great. Has God showed you something that you need to change in or some sin he wants you to avoid? And she just kind of blinked. She said, "Well, there's a person at my work who's gossiping and I have been trying to, uh, you know, uh, and I've been, you know, telling her I don't want to listen to it. And so I've gone to all these links to not talk to her sometimes and, and, and just not be around her because I don't want to hear her gossiping. And I looked right at her and I said, that's so great. I'm glad that you're willing to go at links to not be a part of gossiping. Is there something new? That God maybe wants you to do in order to be able to avoid to 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 address this issue, and again, she, she, her eyes gets wide and blinks like this was a new concept, something new, and and I said, I'll let you think about that for just a second. And I came back to her and said, Did you think it? She's like, Yes, I think I need to be more upfront with her and just tell her, you know, I I personally believe that God wants me to to use my words to uplift people and not turn, turn, tear them down. And so I'd ask her to not, you know, gossip around me for these particular reasons. And apparently this is an unbeliever that she, that she's speaking to. I said, that's great. Let's talk about that. Now, I guess what? She did that that week. We came back and she's like, you don't believe what happened. So when she did so, not only did the conversation go well and the person stopped gossiping around her nearly as, uh, you know, and everything, that the woman, they actually were able to have a significant spiritual conversation about God and gossiping and building people up versus tearing people down. And it actually allowed her to be able to, to speak about God to somebody who doesn't believe. So, you know, these are the, these are all things in which we, we can uh, utilize to, to be able to help people see that it's not just what they've done, but what can they do next in the positive ways that come out. That's the last one is statements that are other action points. So again, this might sound exciting sometimes when you're, you know, you're having an I will statement and somebody says something specific like, I will visit this person in the hospital but again, especially if that doesn't directly relate to the passage, like, I don't know, the Good Samaritan or something like that, mm-hmm. it's like, well, was that an I will statement or was that a helping, how can I help the needs of the community, you know, kind of statement. And Or maybe they'll say, uh, I want to share the story with somebody else. Well, that's great. That's the next question. Right. <laughs> And so, again, very rarely are, is it going to be that there's going to be these passages in which maybe the story is all about sharing the good news with other people. And, and so that would be a direct application to what is happening. So you want to be able to say that with the other action points that, okay, that, that's really great for these other things. But how are we applying this particular passage to our lives? Now, you've got a really fun illustration that you've come okay, up with yeah. to help us really understand what this might mean. And it was very helpful to me to hear it when you put it in these terms. So could you go ahead and walk us through the bananas yeah. and donuts illustration? Yeah, bananas and donuts illustration. So, so again, after all this discussion, maybe some of you are thinking, man, I will statements are so hard. They're so hard. So everyone finds it so hard. They all, they're actually not hard. <laughs> we, 
What makes it hard is the fact that we're not seeing the natural connection between belief and action. Mm-hmm. We're not, I mean, it, it should be as natural as breathing. And so sometimes when I give an illustration about this and what we have a tendency to do in religious circles and, and separating belief from action is to apply it to practical things that we have no problem in understanding how these things connect. So here's the bananas and donuts illustration. So this is in the area of nutrition and health and things like that. So suppose that you were a part of a support group that helps each other with nutrition and eating better and things like that. And this particular you know, lesson was all about bananas versus donuts, you know, which is better, you know, and, and also the, the value of eating one for breakfast over another. And so now it comes to the application part of it. It's like, okay, so guys, now that we have established all the reasons why, how eating bananas from breakfast versus donuts is, you know, how should we apply this to our lives? Now, if this were, imagine that this, if we responded in the same way, that we do when it comes to a lot of our, you know, Bible studies and other things, religious things like that. Imagine a person standing up and saying, I'm going to trust that <laughs> bananas are better than donuts. Uh, oh, oh, okay, Susan, that's, that's good. You're going to trust that they are, okay? That's how you're going to apply and, and we're, we're all trying to be healthier here, and that's how you're you're gonna trust it, okay? Interesting. Uh, uh, you know, Jim, how about you? Well, I'm gonna tell others that bananas are better than donuts. I'm gonna tell other people how bananas are better than donuts. Well, that that's great. Don't you eat donuts? Anyway, um, uh, yes, right, uh, Jim. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you're gonna share this with others. I I'm not sure how that affects you, but okay, yes, you're you're gonna share. This with other people. Uh, okay, uh, Bob, how about you? I'm going to pray about how bananas are better than donuts. And you're going to pray about it. Uh, but, but we just said that it was good, that it was, it was, it was good, and that we should, we should do it, right? I mean, and if I, so all of us by this point were, were sitting there and our heads were screaming out and thinking, the obvious application is we're going to eat bananas rather than donuts for breakfast. The, at least this week, we're going to get started in that. That's it. You would think that somebody in the room is looking around going, you all crazy. Right. It's like this is, you know, that that's the obvious obedience because trusting that bananas are better than donuts, praying about how bananas are better than donuts, even telling others about how bananas are better than donuts is not personally applying the, the, the practical thing into your life and doing something about it. Yeah, and that brings us to that conclusion of an I will, an I will statement's all about. It's about taking what we've read in the passage of Scripture and personally applying it in a concrete way in our own life so that we can demonstrate, not through a hope or a dream or a desire, but through concrete actions that, that we are believing what we're reading, and that belief will help us fall in love with God. And this is really what Jesus means was said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He means that as we actually let the truth change us and our lives, we're going to experience the freedom mm-hmm. 
and the the virtue of of God's commands and what he wants us to be able to be doing lives and how it will make it better because now his commandments are not grievous. They're for our good. And so therefore, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people experiencing that every single time that they're doing Discovery Bible Study. You've been listening to the CDM podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. Now you can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks, or just click on the link in the description below. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and for supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple-makers.